listening to the Novel Universe Podcast, a monthly YALA podcast hosted by Dawn Abron and Elise Martinez, YA librarians from the Chicagoland area. Each episode features reviews and rants on new and upcoming YA books. We're here to help you navigate your TBR pile. What's good, what's bad, and everything in between. I'm Dawn, the criticizer of books. And I'm Elise, the rejecter of romance. So turn up the volume. Here we go. Welcome back to Read Along with the Universe, Ninth House by Lee Bardugo. And in this podcast, we will be discussing chapters 20 through 26. Okay, let's get started. I apologize in advance because I will be taking pauses and stuff because I have to go back to my Kindle to find certain quotes. I apologize. Also, when I say, like, I don't, I won't be saying page numbers if you are reading along with me and you're reading the book because I do not have the book. I have a Kindle arc and the arc does not have page numbers. So once again, I apologize for that as well. All right. This might be a long podcast. So let's get started. So Alex in chapter 20, Alex is fighting off Lance and he has used portal magic. So that's basically what is happening in chapter 20. And what I noted in this chapter is that Bardugo seems to repeat words and phrases for emphasis. And it usually is for a theme that she's trying to push through or something that you need to pay attention to because it's going to come back. So in this instance, well, for example, she's used the words, let me in several times, this town, and now portal magic. So we know what let me in means. This town, we're still trying to speculate on that. But portal magic is mentioned a lot because um, its house is it, the house is associated with, which is scroll and key, is important to the story, to this book in particular. Scroll and key's magic is weakening, and it's eroding the power nexus their tomb is built on. So, just in case you are kind of confused as to what's going on in this book, as I was, I'm going to do a quick recap because this is important to the big theory that I have that I will mention at the very end of the pod. So in this world, magic, there's a lot of magic in New Haven and other cities and states, but in particular, New Haven, and it has something to do with the waterways, I believe. New Haven has 12 nexuses. Nexuses are the source of power. Yale has hundreds of secret societies, but only eight are important because those eight have tombs that are built on nexuses. And in these tombs is where they do their rituals. And they do them over the nexuses because that is where they're getting their power from. Now, the book is called The Ninth House because Leith is the ninth house. And there are the eight powerful houses that they watch over to make sure there are no shenanigans and that's important now I know why that's really important okay so there are 12 in the whole city 12 nexuses in the whole city of New Haven but only eight are currently being used by houses on Yale secret society houses in Yale there are four left over and Bardugo says that through Darlington she says that those nexuses already have buildings on top of them that can't be used. For example, a train station. You can't just go and do rituals in a train station. People would see it. 
But that's all she says. She just says train station. She doesn't mention the other three. So I have a theory on those other three. Okay. Anyway, um, Darlington, we know Darlington has been doing a lot of research in New Haven. And he's looking for other nexuses outside of New Haven. As I said a little minute ago, is that there are other cities that are powerful with magic. New Haven being one of them. But Darlington is looking for other ones, and he's found one in San Juan de something. I can't pronounce that word. And he says that in chapter 11. And Dawes also knows this. We don't know who else knows this, but we do know Darlington and Dawes, and now Alex knows this. Okay, so notable things in chapter 20 of the net is I like at the very beginning, we get Alex's stream of conscience. And this chapter is right after Alex does not save Darlington. He falls through a portal and she doesn't save him. So at the beginning of this chapter, she is like thinking, like she's like, what has she been thinking the night Alex vanished? Um, what would she say to him? That they, the people that she killed deserved it? That Lynn and the others had given not only Heli, but her some kind of peace killing them? That the world punished girls like them, like Tara, for all their bad choices, every mistake? That she had liked doling out punishment herself? That whatever conscience she'd always assumed she possessed just didn't show up for work that day? And she certainly wasn't sorry? So she's basically like talking to herself like, oh my God, what did I just do? Should I just tell him I'm sorry, but I'm really not sorry and make excuses, but not excuses. And I think that's, it's not necessarily important to the plot, but I think it's important to her character development and where her head is at. And another thing she says that I found interesting is that she says, because that Darlington, because, oh, let me go back. Okay. She's basically saying that Darlington wouldn't be, wouldn't, he wouldn't care that she's bad. He'd care that she's dangerous because he fears chaos. And that's what I noted is that he fears chaos. And I'm trying to figure out who Darlington is and his character. And I concluded that Darlington didn't like losing control. But I like her interpretation better where he fears chaos. Because if you think about his family, his parents are very chaotic and he doesn't like that. He liked the simplicity of living with his grandfather and just like going to the counter and just eating his dinner and coming home and reading his books. He doesn't have a lot of friends. And the manuscript party was also very chaotic. He didn't like that either. So I just like that little bit about more, learning a little bit more about Darlington and Alex as we keep reading. We also get this entry, this diary entry from Sandow at the very end. So in this book, Bardugo will have, on certain chapters, she'll have these little diary entries of Leith, like it's like an excerpt from Leith's man, or their, um, their book. And then right below it will be someone else's interpretation of it or their experience. And in this chapter, we get some insight into nexuses and how when the British during the war of 1812, the British, the Britons were like, something is wrong with this city. And their church wasn't built yet. It was still in construction, but 
one of the uh, commanders of the British Royal Army was like, y'all need to let that stuff through because this town needs Jesus. They need to finish this damn church. There's something bad going on here. And then after that, Sandow, it has an entry in his diary and he says, what do you, why do you think they built so many churches here? Somehow the men and women of this city knew their streets were home to other gods. I like that a lot. It's very interesting. And I think it's setting up this whole demon devil hell beast thing that's happening here. We've kind of been hearing something about demons, but not so much. But now all of a sudden, everybody's talking about demons and the devil. And I'm like, okay, so this must mean something. So I like that, that it's a foreshadow, but I also like it because he's saying, and this is Sandow has observed this now. Keep that in mind. Their streets are home to other gods and not the God that's in the sky and that who we pray to. If you are Christian, if you're not, that's cool too. But he's talking about other things people worship like money or power or sex or whatever vice you're into. Uh, I just thought that was a very interesting quote and we'll come back to that at the end of the podcast. Okay. Chapter 21. In chapter 21, Turner, Detective Turner finds Alex and that she's being attacked by Lance and he witnesses the portal magic. Um, Dawes heals her and then she sees the bridegroom and he lets, he enters her body and she sees his murder or what happened to him. So that's what happens in chapter 21. And we basically have confirmed that Lance did not kill Tara. All right. So notable observances in chapter 21. Pardon me while I get my Kindle queued up. Okay. So this part, once again, not important to the plot, but I think it's important to character development. And there's a sentence where it says, and this is after um, Alex has been beat up and she's bruised and she's got broken ribs and she takes the belladonna to help her get out of there because she's got to get out of there and she says the drug was telling her brain that everything was okay that anything was possible that if she willed it she could heal herself heal herself right now but the pain was shrieking panic banging on her awareness a fist against glass she could feel a splinter starting her sanity like a windshield that wasn't meant to break so I like that sentence or that those couple sentences because it's kind of her life where she has been broken and beaten literally and figuratively. But in order for her to survive, she just has to tell herself, tell her brain, yes, you've been beaten up physically even. You've been raped. You've been attacked by your boyfriend. But she just tells herself, you know what? If I will it, it'll go away. I can just keep going. And I think that's kind of the story of her life. She's just been willing herself to keep going, even though she's hurting and she's broken. And I just thought that was a really good moment into the type of person that Alex is. Once again, it doesn't contribute to the plot, but it does contribute to to the type of person that she is. And that's what makes a good book is when you really get to know a character in the story. Another thing I noted was um, somewhere in the middle of the chapter, 
Dawes needs to heal Alex and she tells Detective Turner to go get some goat's milk. And he's like, where the hell am I supposed to go get goat's milk? And she's like, oh, go to the dollar store. And he makes this offhand comment where he says, you're lucky this dump of a town is gentrifying. Let me, let, like to see me walk into Family Dollar looking for goat's milk. So this entire time, we've been talking about this town. That term of this town keeps coming up. As I said, Bardugo likes to repeat stuff. And for the majority of this book, we've been getting what this town means through Darlington's eyes. And that's pretty, we got one little instance through Alex where she goes to Tara's apartment. But for the most part, we've been seeing this town through Darlington. But now we get to see this town through somebody else, in particular, Detective Turner, who is black. And so he sees this town as being gentrified, which I think is different than what Darlington sees. Darlington sees kind of a dilapidation, whereas Turner sees a turnaround. So gentrification is usually a term meant in like poor neighborhoods where, you know, and usually it's black people who say it or brown people who say it. And I'm black. So just FYI. And it's, you know, you have these small towns and they might have a corner store and maybe a McDonald's on the corner. And then here comes these white people and they're bringing in their fancy coffee shops and their whole food stores and their cute little condos and they're gentrifying our neighborhood. So I just thought it was really interesting that we get a this town reference from somebody else. Once again, not important to the plot, but important to the story as a whole and the characters and the world building. Um, there's a point where Alex is like, how are you going to heal me? And Dawes is telling her that Leith doesn't really have magic. They just kind of use stuff and you can't heal people with magic. But what Dawes can do is she could take her body back to a time where it wasn't broken. Kind of like when you have to redo your computer, when you have a virus and, and the geek squad like just turns it back a couple of hours before I got the virus. And I like that Alex was like looking at her and she's like, can you take me back to when I wasn't broken to when I wasn't assaulted and abused and used and abandoned. And once again, I just thought that was a really interesting moment into her character development. I like that. And we also learn that the tattoos of the snakes that she has, which she also has them on her pelvis or her thighs or something. She got those tattoos because Helly told her that she's like, a, she acts like she has a rattler inside her. So she got those tattoos because of something Helly said. And then she had them removed. And now we know, like, that's another little piece that we didn't know about Alex's life. And by her erasing those tattoos with those magic moths, it's kind of like erasing Helly. And I think as part of her growth, as I said in earlier podcasts, she's going to get those tattoos back. I think she definitely is now because, you know, she wants to continue with the memory of Heli. So I like that little moment. Um, so, okay. So this, this chapter is important. So we she lets North in, much like she did Heli. But in this instance... Up until this point, Alex has been terrified of the Greys for valid reasons. And up until, so now when she lets 
the bridegroom in, she's given him permission to do it. In the previous chapter, she didn't. She was like, I need you in me now so that I can fight this guy off of me. And he didn't know what was going on. He was terrified. We'll get back to that in a second. He was terrified of it. And the second time, though, she gives him permission. And when she does that, she's taking control back of her life. Because before, she had no control over the grace, touching her, assaulting her, seeing them, and she was terrified of them. But now she can say, I want, she can give them permission to touch her and to enter her body. And so that's growth for her. She is taking a lot of her power back, which I liked. So she sees North's murder. Okay, so this whole scene I had to read several times and I'm still not quite sure. Well, I know I didn't pick up on everything. So <laughs> I'm not even going to pretend. Okay, so when she's seeing what happened to him, um, I think what happened is he allowed some boys to pay him off so that they could do experiments on him. He didn't know what it was. Now we know it was a prognostication, and this was pre-leaf. We know that uh, Skull and Bone has been around since 1832. Leaf didn't come around until like 1898, and so, and they didn't get their tomb until like 25 years after 1832. So up until all of this time, they could be doing all kinds of shenanigans and not being regulated. So I think that's what happened here. He was, he was part of a prognostication. I think he woke up during it because one of the boys says something's wrong. So something bad happened. He woke up. He's like, oh my God, they're trying to take my soul. He doesn't know what's going on. And the part that I don't understand, it says, they're trying to confuse me. He looked down and saw a black shape. No, not that far. He says, um, there's a gun in his hand and a woman was screaming. She was pleading, but he wasn't, but she wasn't a woman. She was something terrible. She, he could see the night gathered around her. I don't know what that means. I don't know what he's seeing. I think later on, Alex says that a victima has entered him. So like how Alex can let in Grace, he, a, a victima went inside his body. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm going to assume that that's what happened because why would Alex say that? She's just telling the reader, this is what is happening here. Anyway, I don't, I don't, I know we know that the shadow in his hand is a gun. Okay. So then it says lightning flashed. And I think that's St. Elmo. St. Elmo has the lightning. So St. Elmo is also in cahoots with skull and bones. And then he says, there a monster staring back at him from above the mantle, his white face filled with horror and rage. I don't know what that is. Is that a demon? I have no idea. I don't know what that is. And we learned that Daisy has been shot, but he didn't shoot her. So somebody shot Daisy. And then he shoots himself. So we don't know who shot Daisy, but it wasn't him. But they made it look like a murder-suicide. Okay, let me get going because this is starting to get long. <laughs> okay, um, yeah. I don't know why they, well, I don't know why they chose North to do the prognostication. Maybe they just were looking for any old body and they paid him. I don't know, but let's just go with that for the sake of moving along. 
So in chapter 22, Turner, Dawes, and Alex are like working together to try to find a motive for Tara's murder. And they basically surmise that Tara was growing drugs for some societies and that maybe she found a solution to Skull and Key, Skull and Key's failing magic. So back at the beginning of the podcast, I said that Skull and Key, Scroll and Key, oh my God, I'm probably going to get this all mixed up. Scroll and Key, they're the ones that do the portal magic, but their portal magic is failing because their nexus in their tomb is eroding. So their portal magic isn't working. And so Tara was working with them. And we'll get into that a little bit more later. But in this chapter, what I noted was, so when Darlington fell through the portal, he says it's not a portal, it's a M-U. But Sandow has been trying to convince Alex that no, it was a portal, which leads me to believe that Sandow is lying. I think Sandow is lying and that, Darlington knew he was not going through a portal. We also learned that Sandow is going through a messy divorce and that he needs money. Money drives people to do some stuff. All right. And at the end of this chapter, Turner says something interesting. He says, he's talking about his mother. She told me there's no doorway the devil doesn't know. He's always waiting to stick his foot in it. Now, again, we have someone saying the word devil. Yeah, so we, we, the word demon, devil, and its variations have been appearing like gangbusters through the end of this book. Chapter 23, Alex goes to Bellbomb's party. and She's basically just there to find some alibis from Colin and Sandow, which she does. The only thing that I noted was that Alex, when she goes to the party, she's like putting all her wards together. She's got, she's got her, her, her cemetery graveyard dirt. She's got her clock. She's got her chance ready to go. And I like that because in some books that an author will make the main character like fearless and like, I've got my power back. Motherfuckers, watch out. Here I come. But even though she has, guarded herself quite well and she's taken some of her power back and she's feeling a little bit better about grays she's still not fearless she's still afraid of them and I just thought that was a little interesting chapter 24 Turner and Alex get answers from Lance in jail okay so I like to call this the desperation chapter because we're starting to see all the desperation from all these other characters and we learn that Saint Elmo is desperate for a house they don't have a house. They've been trying to get their, their house back or a house for years. But if you recall, there are only eight houses. And there are three out there flapping in the wind somewhere. We don't know what they are. We also learned that they got their house, if I'm getting this correctly. I think I might be a little wrong on this. I apologize if I am. And correct me if I'm wrong. But Arulia, the Arulian house, society, whatever... They had something to do with St. Elmo losing their house. It was something to do with the contract. The Aurelians deal with contracts and making these binding contracts that are hard to break. And they did something with that contract and now St. Elmo cannot get their house. And now they're in some little shithole on Linwood, apparently. Or are they in Rosenfeld Hall? I can never get that right. I was confused about all of that. But anyway, so that is something to take note of. 
and I'll come back to why that's important later. Um, I like that during this whole book, we're trying to figure out how is Blake getting this drug? And we're like, oh, manuscript is growing it, and then they're doing this, and he got it, and how did he get it? And there's some forestry school, and there's this big conspiracy, and no, it was just Lance. Lance needed money. He stole the drugs from Tara, who was making it, and he gave it to him. He sold it to him. That's it. No big conspiracy. Just Lance trying to get money for selling drugs. Also, we learned that Tara learned how to make tabs, like little drugs. And this is important because, as I said before, scroll, no, skull and bones, they, their, their portal, their portal magic is failing. And so Colin met Tara, who was apparently a fantastic chemist, and she was able to make these little tablets that when you take it, you could portal, you could do portal magic. So that is a good thing for that house because that means that they can use their magic without their nexus, which is failing. But then when Tara dies, there goes their portal magic. So it wouldn't make sense for Colin to kill her because he needs her. That doesn't make any sense. And we know that Colin is also a chemist, but he has not learned how to make the drug. And Lance says that he, he hated that. And I thought that that was interesting because there's some parallels there between Tara and Colin and Alex and Darlington. Darlington is not happy. He's envious of Alex because she can see Grace and he can't. And she's this lowly street rat. And how dare she be able to do something I can't do. And then we have Colin and Tara. And Tara, once again, she's town. How dare she be smarter than me and create this, this tablet that I'm a Yale student and I can't make. So I thought that was quite interesting, the parallels between the two of them. Um, what else? Oh, I also don't know why Colin and the scroll and no skull and bones would allow Tara and Lance to see their portal magic. I don't know if they were just using them as test dummies. I don't know why they would do that because they're risking a lot by letting people who are not in their society use their magic. I, I don't know why they did that, but whatever. We also got some more pretending, which I think is a theme here. We got some pretending by Colin. So when Colin is with Alex, he's very chipper and positive and he's a good boy and a good student but deep down, he's not. He is scheming and conniving. He's desperate. His house's magic is failing. He's desperate to get it back. And he turns a blind eye to Blake and that Meredy crap. And he's just not the good guy that he's pretending to be. So she drops in another pretending theme. Chapter 25. So this is the ritual is this a ritual chapter? Yes. Okay. So this is where they perform the ritual. And back in chapter 22, there's a quote that says, the new moon represents the moment before something hidden is revealed. So they're waiting for the new moon to bring Darlington back. And they're doing it at his house. And while they're at his house, Alex finds notes from what Darlington has been working on. And we know that Darlington has been looking into the bridegroom's case. And in his notes, it says the word first. So I don't know if 
North was the first prognostication. I don't know. We don't know what that means. We'll probably figure that out later on in the book. Um, okay, so this is where I'm going to bust out my theory. And here we go. I would like to preface by saying that, yes, I have read this book. However, the only thing I really remember about this book, I read it in June. And the only thing I really remember is that Darlington vanishes and that I know who killed Daisy, the bridegroom's fiance. That's all I remember. I don't remember shit else. I don't remember Sandow. I don't even remember there was a Sandow. I don't remember anything about anybody's house or any nexus or none of that bullshit. I remember nothing. So all of these theories that I'm about to bust out on y'all is all speculation. I, they're not spoilers. I don't know if any of this is true. It's just a theory. So here we go. At the resurrection new moon party is Josh Zelinsky, who is the Arulian president, and Amelia, can't remember her last name, she was a uh, Arulian emperor. And both of these characters were in that ritual, the Arulian ritual, where they were trying to bring back that, where the author was trying to get a best-selling book and the Aurelians were there to make a contract because that's all they do is make binding contracts. They do nothing else. Okay. And we also know about Aurelian is that they sell themselves to the highest bidder. So they have, they have no moral compass. They're just like, whatever guys, we're here to do whatever you want us to do. We have no convictions. So here's my theory. Sandow is in on it. He is all up in it. And here's why I think that. Remember I told you there are 12 nexuses, but only eight are being used. And only one other one has been mentioned in the book. It's been used for the train station, which leaves three. I think the Black Elm, which is Darlington's house, is on top of a nexus. And I think that... Darlington's parents knew that because back in the chapter where they appear, his mom tells him this house is worthless, but the land is valuable. We'll split the profit. The university wants the house. So I think the university, just like St. Elmo's house, they came to them and was like, um, we're going to pay you hell of a lot of money. We want this house. And the grandfather was like, no, because I think the grandfather knew that the house is powerful. Sandow needs money. So there are three houses that need a tomb. The Rulians need a tomb. Scroll and Key needs a tomb. Sorry, not Scroll and Key. Good Lord. Skull and Bones needs a tomb. And St. Elmo needs a tomb. Three houses need a tomb. And I think they went to Sandow and like, look, we're going to pay you money because we need a tomb. And the Arulians may have one out. May, may have, they may have paid him more than the other houses. Once again, this is just a theory and I'm going on clues from within the book. I am probably wrong. I usually am, but it's still fun to make theories. And I like that Bardugo has allowed us to do that. Okay. So that's why the Aurelians are there because they deal in contracts and Darlington has the deed to the house. So they have to find something to bring Darlington back, but they need to bring they need to have something that connects him to the house that's important to him. And the deed to the house is important to him. The house is important to him. Sandow knows this. Everybody knows this. 
And so they use it to bring him back. And I think at some point he does come back because Sandow asks them, he asks the Rulians about the deed to the house. They're like, do the Rulians have any anything to deal with it? And they're like, I don't know. Um, so I think he brings Darlington back and Darlington is like, fine, man. I, you know, yes, the deed brought me back to the house. You know, I'm back. But then he has him, they say some words. There's some words that were exchanged. Um, let me find it as I scroll through my Kindle. Okay. Witnesseth that said grantor for good and valuable consideration for good for good. I don't know what that means. I'm thinking maybe for good means forever. I don't know if the Rulians are also talking. I don't know who's talking at this point. But it's on fire and it has been burnt up. So the deed to his house has been burnt up. I think they made a new contract with the Arulians that gives the house to Sandow and or the university. That's why I think the Arulians are there. Um, and then I think Sandow gave Darlington's body to the devil. Let me see. Yeah. And I'll get to that in the next chapter. But back in chapter 10 at the manuscript party, Darlington is looking in a mirror when he's under the drug. He's looking in this mirror and he's like, he sees himself as a knight. It was kind of like the mirror of Ezared from Harry Potter. But he sees himself as a knight and he sees a sword in his hand. And then he sees a sword in his back, which means that somebody has stabbed his ass in the back. And I think it is Sandow who has done that. Also, he says something odd in that when he's in that mirror he says choose me and in that podcast Lisa and I speculated a little bit what he meant is he talking to Alex when he says choose me is he talking to Leith because he loves Leith and he but Leith doesn't love him back or is he talking to Alex and he's like choose me let me in then that would mean he's a ghost and he's dead for real. And I don't want Darlington to die. So I'm hoping Bardugo doesn't kill him and make him a ghost because that would be some sub to hear bullshit that I'm not here for. And if you know what I mean, you know what I mean? If you don't, you'll figure it out when you read that book. Um, so also the new moon reveals something hidden. When Darlington comes back, he says murder. I don't, hopefully he's not meaning his own murder. He's meaning that Sandow murdered him or I don't know, or tried to murder. I don't know. Let's not hope that Darlington is actually gone because he's a great character and I don't want him to be gone. Okay. Chapter 26, last chapter. This is basically the chapter where Blake comes back. But before that, we get a little exchange between Alex and Dawes. And Alex is not convinced that Sandow is on the up and up. And she asks Dawes, what did he say in Latin? And Dawes says, hear the silence of an empty home. No one will be made welcome. That was her interpretation. However, I did my own Google interpretation. And what I got was, no one is listening to silence and control the masses. Welcome. I did a reverse Google Translate. So I went from English to Latin and what I noticed was that in the translation, the word domus is missing. In the Latin version that Sandow was speaking, the word domus is in one of the words he says. And domus seems to change Dawes' translation here. 
So once again, it says no one is listening to silence and control the masses. Welcome. Silence is another word that Bardugo mentions a lot. As I said at the beginning of the pod, she she repeats words and the word silence comes up several times and it really does come up in several key moments at this last like 10 chapters or so. And in chapter 18, which is the chapter that Darlington falls, and he falls into a mouth, by the way. He was saying, this is not a portal, it's a muh. He's saying mouth. Um, right before that happens, Darlington says, because in the silence left in the wake of the weather hum, he could hear something breathing. So it's probably the devil or whatever demon or hell beast, not sure which one. And in chapter 25, right before the resurrection ritual of Darlington, Alex says, the silence was soft against her ears. So Bardugo has used the word silence twice in the same chapter. And then right before Darlington disappears, she used the word silence again, which I don't think that's a coincidence. I think that's important. Um... I think it's just important to no one is listening to silence. So Darlington was listening to the silence and Alex is listening to the silence, but other people must not be. And I think when he says, um, control the masses welcome. I think he invited the devil in. I think Sandow invited the devil in. I think he sold himself to the devil, his soul because back Um, when I mentioned that Sandow had that little diary entry when he, when he says the people know that they're serving, I can't remember a different God, you know what I'm talking about? I think he's, he's realizing that because he's also studying, he was also studying New Haven and the history of it. And I think he, at some point he realized that, um, there's some, there's some devil stuff going on here. And now he is, maybe at one point he was trying to like save the city. And now because he's desperate for money, he's just like, fuck it, I need money. Here come, come on in devil, welcome. Okay, so let's get to chapter 26, the other biggest part that happens in here. Oh, one other thing that I noted, and I'm kind of bummed about this because (laughs) back in, in the previous chapter, in chapter 25, I recalled that a little exchange between Darlington and um, Alex, where Alex says, Alex asks him something like, are, are demons in the veil? And Darlington says, no, they're somewhere behind the veil. And we can't summon them. It's summon them. It's above our pay grade. I caught that before chapter 26, but then freaking Dawes and Alex confirmed it. And I was like, fuck. I was really upset because I caught something, but yeah. So that's important because Dawes says that the hell beast can't, can only eat humans, but not demons. So does that mean that Darlington is a demon? I have no idea what that means, but nonetheless, she says it. Okay. Back to Blake. So Blake comes in for revenge to kill Alex and, once again, we're thinking, who killed Tara? Is this a huge conspiracy? This whole time, Alex has been trying to come up with the reasons. And she's like, the the manuscript is in on it. And scrolling key is in on it. And 
Skull and Bones isn't on it. And no, it was Blake, that asshole who attacked her and she turned him down. So he killed her. Simple as that. Sad and simple. And not this big conspiracies that we were thinking about. Another thing of note is that Sandow came back. What the hell was he doing there? He, he, oh, never mind, never mind. Dawes was going to feed him dinner. I just realized that. Never mind. Forget that. Forget I said that. So she releases the, the hounds on him. And the prologue to this book, she has been bitten by the hounds. So we're getting really close to the beginning of the story which I like how it's now all coming back to the beginning. It's not told in order and we're all, we're kind of coming back to the beginning. All right. So those are all the notes I have. Um, I want to see how much of my theory is true. Probably none of it, because as I said before, I always make these theories and most of the time I'm wrong, but it's still fun to make them. It doesn't mean the book is predictable. It just means that Bardugo has given us enough clues to try and figure out what's happening. I would like to give a personal thank you to my Kindle because I was only able to go back and find the information about Aurelian and the nexuses and find out the significance of silence and all this stuff and where it's been mentioned because I'm able to just click on the word, find it in the book, and it'll list everywhere the book is mentioned, everywhere the word is mentioned. If I had been reading this in a physical book, I would be lost totes lost so if you are the type of person who doesn't want to take hella notes I would recommend getting a book on a kindle because that way you can like go back and forth especially if it's a dense book like this one so when her next book comes out which I will be reading I will be buying that motherfucker on a kindle as well as a physical copy so that I can kind of go back and figure out what's going on all right in the next podcast I will be talking about chapter 27 through the end of the book. At this point, we will find out who killed Daisy, what happened to the bridegroom. Um, oh, another thing I forgot to mention. I'm sorry, I forgot to mention one other thing. So during Darlington's resurrection party, he hears, Alex hears a boom. And it's the same boom that she heard at the first prognostication in the first chapters of the book. And she didn't know what it meant. And I don't know what it means either. But because of all the devil talk... I don't know if that skull and bones. Oh my God. I've been saying this wrong the whole time. I think skull and scrolling key is the scrolling key is the, um, (laughs) the ones that do portal magic. I'm sorry. I said I was going to get it wrong. That's my bad. Skull and bones does the prognostication because they're the bones men and scroll and key are the locksmiths. That's why she gave them a nickname because she knew it was going to be fucking confusing. Oh my God. Okay. All that stuff about portal magic was not skull and bones. It was scroll and key. Okay. So I think skull and bones has been accidentally summoning the devil when they do their prognostication. I don't know if they do it on purpose or if they're doing it by accident, but maybe the devil is trying to come through back there. I don't know. I forgot to put that little theory in there, but back to the end of the podcast And by the end of the week, I will finish the book and I will podcast it here. I'm hoping you are enjoying the story as much as I am. Once again, thank you for joining me and I will catch you in the next podcast.